So hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another of our one-on-one podcasts. And my guest today is Tara Nicole Nelson. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kim. Now, you're CEO of Transformational Consumer Insights, and you have a new book, The Transformational Consumer. So that's mainly what we'd like to talk to you about today. Yes, I have a lot to say about this topic, as you (laughs) might imagine. (laughs) I have that. And believe me, um, anyone listening... The book has an enormous amount of, of, of detail in it about marketing strategy, and we're only going to cover the highlights in, All right. in and, this and, short and, you know, they know where they can find the rest. Okay. <laughs> now, I think a good way to set this up is to talk about how you got to where you are now, and in particular, your work with fitness brands. Mm-hmm. So maybe just a summary of what brought you to the transformational consumer. Yeah, um, well, first of all, educationally, my, my educational background is in psychology. I have a master's degree in psychology. I was a lawyer for a while. I left that and worked in running consumer content marketing and PR at Trulia.com, and later as a consultant started working with my fitness pal, which you know, was then and still is the world's largest health and fitness app. It's a nutrition tracking app. Um, and, you know, I came there as a consultant and ended up staying on there as their chief marketer in large part because um, I was able to successfully make the argument that we should be focused on growth as marketers, but that we mm-hmm. should be more focused on the growth of engaged customers. And so um, I spent uh, my time there really building out customer engagement programs, um, largely with content and largely based on this framework and idea of the transformational consumer that you find in the book. Yeah, that's um, a nice way of summarizing it, I see in the book, is that the trans- transformational consumer is a consumer looking to be healthier, wealthier, and wiser. And that, of course, makes sense as a lifetime commitment, which is very attractive to brands. Absolutely. Well, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment on the consumer's part. Um, it's also a huge opportunity for brands because these consumers, are they are on a never-ending quest mm-hmm. <laughs> after a never-ending series of healthy, wealthy, wise goals, like individual goals. And so as you, you know, the book sort of suggests, and I believe that we should think about the hero's journey archetype that we all have heard of and know of, but really recast it so that our customer becomes the hero. And then our products, our brands, our content, our services really just become their mentors and tools and guides and aids so that, you know, if you can, if you can, increase the the degree of change that they're able to make or increase the joy or the ease with with which they can make it using your product or your content they'll use it over and over and over and over again so that's where like the lifelong love of the promise of a lifelong love affair with your customers comes in and that's a very strong pitch isn't it in a world which for a number of obvious reasons is much more brand agnostic consumers can engage with any number of brands very very easily they don't it's not like when i was a kid and you could only engage with brands in your local store you just go online now and engage with anyone if you don't like the experience you move on so you're talking about a much deeper sense of brand loyalty i am i'm talking about brand loyalty but it's really to be fair it's not necessarily the brand itself to Mm -hmm. which they are loyal it's the change right that degree of change that they're getting and there are some brands that have just become they um they are so 
it's so extremely laser focused on creating that change for their customers that it translates into brand loyalty, even though it's really the change in the experience, the transformation that they offer that these customers are after. That's very interesting because I'm looking at it in a kind of traditional way and you just give it a tweak there and say it's not about buying into the brand, it's buying into what the brand can do for you. That's right, and that transformation and in the book I talk a lot about you know rethinking what you sell as not a product or yeah. a service or a piece of content, what you sell is a transformation from having some sort of a problem or having a dream to no longer having that problem or being able to fulfill that dream or aspiration. That's fascinating, I, I, and I thought one of the things which really put it into a nutshell for me was a change in relationship from a transactional relationship to a transformational relationship. Yes. Okay, so now we're getting into the real meat. Right. <laughs> because what I say to people when I when I speak about the book is the book is a business and marketing book, right? Mm-hmm. It is actually about how to reach and engage more people and how to engage them over and over again. But there's sort of a secret subversive message <laughs> to the <laughs> okay. book too. And that message is about how to be, how to become, it's for the reader, for how to become a transformational leader, right? Mm -hmm. How to use your career and your business, even as a marketer, even at a CPG or retail or apparel or tech brand, to lift other people up. And what I know from just, you know, working with so many marketers and and people from every team, but specifically marketers, since Mm -hmm. I'm a marketer, um, at all kinds of companies, is that people are really wanting to work on things that are about something bigger than themselves are about something bigger than just, you know, a project that makes a big company more money, <laughs> right, right? right? So using um, this framework, it's sort of a way for people to elevate the work that they do on a daily basis to something that's more meaningful. Okay. Now, a couple of skeptical questions, and I'm sure these are things which will have occurred to you or you might have been asked them before. <laughs> um, and the first one is, does this apply across verticals? Because when we start off talking about nutrition or fitness, those are very obvious personal sure. goal-oriented products. But what about you know financial services? I know you worked in real estate sure. as well. What about other verticals? Yeah, I mean, like one of the messages, the top line messages of the book is that we have to look at our products through the same lens that our customers do. And our customers look at them through much broader lenses than we normally do. So when, when we're talking about healthy, wealthy, and wise, we're not just talking about health. We're not just talking about personal finance. We're not just talking about education, Mm -hmm. though we are talking about all of those things. From a consumer's perspective, health includes everything from like stress management to the household cleaners they choose to the, you know, individual choices between food brands, right? Anything that they put in on or around their body, the things that they sleep on. Um, Wealthy includes everything from real estate and personal finance to things like your, your career skill building, um, productivity, every every piece of software <laughs> that you okay. use in an office falls under wealthy, right? Um, even Slack, and I use Slack as a great example of yes. this framework as applied to a B two B business in the book. Um, you know, Slack talks about the problem they solve not as like group chat software, but like as the problem of helping people collaborate and do more fulfilling work, be more productive and unlock the value that's trapped within all this information that's in companies that people can't get to. 
And so, and, and WISE includes, it includes a lot of education. WISE is interesting. It's different from the others in that it also, it includes a lot of services. Okay. So when you think about coaching or a therapist, that kind of financial advising, pe- uh, people wanting to be better stewards of the resources they have. There's a lot of overlap with, with wealth and with health, actually. Um, faith, practicing yoga and meditation, traveling even. Many people, anything that people do in an effort to be a better person or mm-hmm. to achieve self-actualization falls within why. So, so you know, I think of the Department of, our Federal Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms <laughs> as a good acronym for the verticals that it really probably doesn't apply to. <laughs> like, you could market your your firearms with a health message, but it would strain yeah. credibility yeah. to do that, so don't. <laughs> but for everything else, it's really, whether, it, whether the framework applies to a purchase really is driven by the customer's intention for making that purchase. Okay, now, but leads on to my follow-up question, which I think you have partially addressed, but talking about transformational consumers, and it's your book quite clearly recognises there is such a thing as a non-transformational yes. consumer. I mean, let, let's say I'm just a schlub. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to get healthy or wise. I'd like to be wealthy, but I've got no particular plans about it. Right. Is this a niche audience? Is it limited? Are there some people this isn't going to work for? It, so there definitely are transformational and non-transformational consumers. In the book, we do a, a report on a study that I did of 2,000 U.S. customers. Um, you would be surprised at how many qualify as transformational consumers. Mm-hmm. So 50% of the people in the study do qualify as transformational consumers, which really means that they answered, I use digital or real-world products at least three times a week in an effort to achieve goals around getting healthier, getting wealthier, or getting wiser. So that's a summary of a bunch of questions, but it was 50% of people said yes to that. So... My long, short answer is that's not a niche. 50% of the market is definitely not a niche. Um, That said, transformational consumers are not only the sort of West Coast, New York City, granola crunchy, you know, soul cycle (laughs) audience. They are that. But there are many, many people who don't fall into that category but are always, you know, trying to start a side business or driving Lyft or Uber uh, or using Airbnb to make better use of their financial resources or trying to study up to like learn a new hobby or a new skill for work. Um, people who are always, the definition of a transformational consumer is just someone who's constantly on a mission to do, who sees all of life as, as a series of behavior change projects to get healthier, wealthier, wiser. Um, so I joke, if you've been paleo and vegan at different times right, in your right, life, right. you're a transformational consumer. Yep. But also, if you're the kind of person who listens to podcasts and reads business books to get better at your career, you're probably a transformational consumer. Okay, one more question just on that. And it's partly in my mind because when this podcast is broadcast, it's actually going to be Hall of Femme Week here at DMN, where we honor women in marketing, and you're a woman in marketing. I am indeed. And when I read the definition of transformational consumer, I wonder if one demographic that applies here is whether it's at all gender-oriented. We actually generally, like this study looked across genders and Mm -hmm. we didn't find anything that was significant in terms of differences between male or female um, opting into as transformational consumers. There's also sort of a secondary message to the book, which is that people's aspirations are a much more powerful lens to which, through which to understand their buying behavior and their content consumption behavior than their demographics are. Um, So... 
the example that I'll give is that I, I am a 41-year-old black woman and I live in California. My, the things that I buy and the content I'll consume online are much more similar to a 60-year-old white man who lives in New York who also has a, a business and also spins six times a week right. um, than another black woman who lives in the same town as me and is the same age as me but doesn't have those same transformational aspirations. Right. So I'm, I'm constantly kind of carrying this, the standard <laughs> for aspirations actually matter much more. Who people want to be matters more than who they are. So we're dealing with much more complex parameters than gender, race, that kind of yes, thing. Yes, yes. Okay, I, I did want to turn a little bit towards technology because that's one of our main focuses here at DMN. And uh, one of the things you say in the book, you talk about the fallacy that... Um, I can't read my own writing now. <laughs> um, that that in, in, engagement is a digital issue. Right. I'm sorry, let me quote it correctly. The, yes. the fallacy that disengagement is a digital problem will have a digital solution. Yeah. In other words, engaging with a customer, you're suggesting it's not just a digital question. It's not just a digital thing. I mean, so here are some premises. <laughs> um, humanity is messy. Mm -hmm. Um, people are not always super predictable or easy to understand, and it can cause a lot of fear on the part of marketers and every other team in the company, too, to try to begin to understand people's humanity. But the, So what you see happening a lot is, is companies who are struggling with disengagement, which most are, um, looking to social media or, you know, big data targeting solutions to solve the disengagement problem. If right. we can get the right content just in front of people, it can be clickbaity, we don't care as long as they click on it. Yeah. Um, I submit, uh, you know, in the book I use this quote from 1759. Oh, yes. Right? This quote that's like, it's hilarious, like super archaic language. Mm -hmm. But the, the gist of the quote is that people don't care about advertisements. People are disengaged. People were disengaged from advertisements in 1759. <laughs> So the, I use that quote to make the point that disengagement is not a digital problem. And that's why you see like the folks over at TrackMaven, who are friends of mine, they came out with a study last year that showed that branded content, brand published content was up 35% in, in 15 in 2015. Mm -hmm. And consumer engagement with that content was down 17%. So digital, it's not a, disengagement is not a digital problem. It, digital won't solve it. Right. Um, it is a human problem and understanding people's undying sort of human motivations and, and aspirations, I believe, is the way to solve it. So it's aligning, first of all, aligning yourself with your customers' needs and aspirations yes. and then presumably figuring out the correct well, the thing that's it. funny is if once you do that exercise of really deeply understanding your customer's real-world experience of the problem that they're trying to solve, the, the problem that your company ostensibly exists to solve for them, um, it becomes really clear where they are, what channels they're on, <laughs> at what okay. moments in time, and what questions they have on which channels. And then, and even like the natural language patterns that they're using when they're asking these questions, which allows you then to put the right content in the right place at the right time, no matter what the new social media channel is, right? Right. So because that changes all the time, yeah. Um, but people don't actually change as much as their, you know, where they are today on okay. social does. So in other words, if you to ask yourself the question, which channel are transformational consumers using? That might not be the best question because the answer to that is going to change it's as the change channels evolve, as people evolve. 
I tell people when I go to meet with the CEO of a company about, you know, generally it's about understanding their audiences better or their customers better. If he asks me about Twitter, that's a red flag. <laughs> because, like, we are having the wrong level of conversation yeah. if we're talking about at executive levels about individual channels. Um, the channel is just the medium, and that becomes clear once you understand. That becomes clear, um, and it becomes clear, and it stays clear, even as it evolves and changes, yeah. once you really fixate on understanding your customer's real-world journey. Okay, and just... To conclude, I'd like to see how you relate this to a topic which is very much on everyone's mind these days, which is uh, the customer experience, that brands are in the business, not of selling products, but increasingly of selling an experience to customers. Does that relate to the concept of the transformational consumer? A hundred percent. I mean, maybe we always were in that business and just didn't know it, mm-hmm. <laughs> is probably what I would suggest. Um, but yes, it's it's... You know, I talked about how the the opportunity here is really to build undying, like repeat usage, repeat visits, time on site, increased um, customer lifetime value through referrals and through actual purchases with these people. And the way you do that is by literally selling them the experience of transformation. And so I do, I tend to try to always tweak the perspective a little bit that we talk about in marketing from focusing on the experience people have within with our product or with our brand to focusing on their real world experience and uh-huh. how we can make that more easeful, more joyful, more powerfully transformational, less frictionful, yes. <laughs> friction, yes. um, more frictionless. I'm not sure how to <laughs> okay. say that. Got it. Um, but yes, I, I think we always have been in the business of selling experience. Um, we just are now getting clued into it. And I submit that as time goes on, we'll continue to realize more and more, hopefully, that the experience that we're selling is a more useful transformational experience in their real world, not just a great experience with our brand. Okay, and that is a step beyond customer experience. So we're out of time. I will put um, a link to information about the book up with the podcast, but I think you've given people certainly uh, a glimpse of the extra levels of detail I find in the book. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Thank you. And everyone, carry on looking out for the next one-on-one podcast.